<laughs> it's cold outside. It's so cold. Hi, this is Kenya, and welcome to my magical cottagecore life. It's November in Michigan, and it's so cold. The wind is howling, and my doors and my windows are rattling, and it's telling me it's time to start making heartier dishes to keep us warm. And so today we're going to do three different dishes for people who eat meat. So vegans, this is not your episode, but we're going to give you some dishes that would maybe put a, a nice warmth in the tummy and make your heart smile. The ingredients are not run of the mill. So this episode may be more along the line for my people in the country or for the people in sportsmen's clubs who do hunting. So you're probably going to have to check your freezers to be able to do these things. I'm kind of excited about it. I hope you are too. So open up your big book of stuff in this cold weather and turn those pages until you run into the meatier parts of your cookbook section. And let's get started. So for our first recipe, we're going to maybe skirt past Mary and hopefully she won't be too angry with us because we're going to start with lamb. Now, usually you want a spring lamb for this recipe, but you don't have to have spring lamb. You can just have regular lamb. Uh, It's not going to change it too much. There will be a slight difference, of course, because meat gets gamier as the year goes on, but you want to not get hung up on that. So you're gonna braise this lamb, uh, about two pounds of it, and you're gonna braise it in butter. And when I say butter, uh, according to the recipe, it's about the size of a walnut. And don't worry, I'm gonna give you the source of the recipes also before the end of this episode. So you're gonna braise it and get a little brown, you know, don't cook it all the way through, because you don't wanna do that just to get a little color on it. And when I say a little color, please, the lightest brown you can because you're going to be cooking this for about an hour or so, so you don't want to overcook this in any way, okay? All right, let's get to our next section. Now that you have the lamb braised, you're going to need three cups of boiling water. Adding to this, three onions and salt and pepper. If you have a taste for something a little bit different to go with your lamb, maybe some savory or some other herb you like, this is the time to add it. Now, what are we gonna do with all this? You're going to add all this to the pan that the lamb has been browned in. Now what I want to point out though is that I should have told you the pan that you're using should be of a good depth because you're going to need it because you're going to be adding a lot more as we go onward. So this is not one of those shallow skillet kind of deals. This is definitely a deeper pan that you're going to need. So you're going to add your onions, you know, you're going to slice them up or chop them depending on your taste and you're going to boil these. We're really not boiling them. You're braising your meat. And when you braise meat, it's not a true boil. 
let this simmer for about a half an hour. Not an hour here, not at this point, but about a half an hour. Now a simmer is not seeing any bubbles coming up. You might have started that way when the pan was super hot. But when it's simmering, it's more like a, a nice, really low kind of cooking. And you're gonna do this so that you don't overcook your meat. Nobody wants overcooked meat, and it's gonna taste really good when it's done at the end. Just, just give it some time, work with me here, because we're about to add something else. Now that you've let it simmer for about a half hour, here come the potatoes. You're going to need six potatoes that have been peeled, and you want them to be raw. You're gonna cook this all together, okay? And you're gonna need a small head of cabbage preferably green cabbage. Do not use red or purple cabbage. The color will be horribly unappealing, okay? We eat with our eyes as well. But a small head of cabbage, you're gonna cut that cabbage into eighths. And if you know how, you wanna core that stem of the cabbage out so you don't have that in there. Although some people like it, I know people who steam that part, uh, they do enjoy it, but for most of us, we don't want that. You're gonna take all of that and you're gonna add it to your pan and you're going to let it cook and you're going to let this cook for about an hour on a slow simmer and it'll it'll be really good now i do know that there's a variation on this recipe and for the variation you can add three tomatoes as well it's also said that you can add this to a cooker that has no fire or a fireless cooker that's kind of usually the slow cooker so you can do that as well it's up to you um, I think it should be fine in a Dutch oven. You can make it on the stovetop, or you can make it inside of an oven. I don't know how it would do in a solar oven. I'm just telling you right now, I don't know. So if you try it with a solar oven, please let me know. You know, going th through these recipes today, and we haven't even gotten all the way through yet. I just really feel really good and homey. It makes me really appreciate the holiday season when everybody gets home and they start eating those wholesome meals together to get warmed up and we start to be huddling around each other, you know, more than being out of doors. Now, of course, if some of you are hardcore outdoor people, this is an afterthought for you. So maybe it's just on a Sunday or a Saturday you're eating together, but for many of us who don't necessarily spend a lot of time outdoors, like I used to, um, baking and cooking and things are more so along my line of enjoyment when the winter months come. I don't like to be super duper cold. I've been cold, I don't wanna do it right now. But one of the things I like about cooking from scratch are the good vibes that I get from it. And on that note, I wanna tell you about this episode's sponsor. Good Vibrations Energy Studio. Good Vibrations Energy Studio is open for all your energy work needs. Whether in person in the Detroit area or virtual or via virtual options, individual sessions or groups. Janet Callahan, Reiki Master offers multiple kinds of Reiki, sound healing, flower essences, color healing, and more. 
You can find her at goodvibrationsenergystudio.com. Now let's get into the next recipe. Now it's time for the squab. And for those who may not know what that is, it's more of a colloquial dove kind of thing. Yeah, pigeons. It's pigeons. But but please, don't don't go to downtown. Don't grab some pigeons out of Campus Martius and just like, you know, you know, take them out and decide, okay, I'm going to eat this bird. Please don't do that. Uh, there are commercially raised squab somewhere around the world. but And there's also um, squab that you can get from hunting. So please leave our pigeons alone and um, let them live. Let them live. But I do caution you, I don't know what will happen if you substitute quail. And in this area, we have a very large uh, population that loves quail. So if you can't get squab, I don't know how the substitution with quail will go. But if you do substitute quail, please let me know. So let's talk about what you're going to need. talking about this particular recipe we're making a casserole it's not going to be that deep it's not going to be a lot of ingredients that you're going to have to deal with so the first thing you're going to need are three boiled eggs you're going to need some seasonings that are to your taste you will also need a teaspoon of parsley a teaspoon of parmesan cheese some breadcrumbs some very small potato balls, the little ones, and a few of the small onions. Now it's up to you what kind of onion you like. I don't recommend the Spanish onion because it would overpower the casserole. And of course, you'll need a squab. recipe you'll notice that unlike what we have come to understand as a casserole it's not going to be where the squab is all cut into tiny pieces and it's baked in like that in chunks you're actually baking the stuffing that you're making into the squab so what you're gonna do you're gonna take each squab wash it down dry it you know pat it dry and then you're gonna take your ingredients in hand. You're gonna chop up the eggs and the seasoning, the parmesan and the parsley, and chop it up very fine. Mix it with your breadcrumbs, and you're going to stuff all of the little squabs, all the little birds. That's right, stuffing is not just a phrase, it's an action. You're going to stuff all those little squab uh, to within an inch of their little cavities. So these squabs are definitely going to be brimming with yummy, yummy goodness. and. Uh, then there's the next step. Okay, now that we've got our lovely little birds all stuffed and everything, we're going to get a large pan. Now this pan needs to be able to go into the oven. You can put this in a casserole pan or casserole dish, but I don't recommend it because you're going to heat it 
on top of the stove. So unless it's the kind that can take direct heat as well as indirect heat, then you might want to use a skillet, cast iron skillet to do this, a uh, Dutch oven, uh, a stone uh, a stone container, or even a Pyrex. But in this particular case, I'm just going to tell you, I'm always going to recommend use that roasting pan. That roasting pan can take a lot more heat than you think it can. And almost every black kitchen has a roasting pan in it. That blue one with the flex in it. I don't know what happens at some point in our lives. It just appears in the kitchen. Just like almost every family in, in, the, in Michigan has the little roasting pan. But specifically, I know in black families, that roasting pan means that you are now an adult woman <laughs> and probably a mom. And that roasting pan will pop up usually from a grandma or an auntie or something. That bad boy pops up and you don't know where it's from because you begin to forget who exactly gave it to you. I don't know many people who actually go out and buy the first one. Um, speaking of which, my daughter is 19. I think I'm going to make that roasting pan appear when she's moving in her uh, first move to her apartment. She won't even know it's there until she unpacks. See, it's the gift of the roasting pan. But you're going to take that roasting pan and you're going to put the squab in and you're going to brown them in a lot of butter. You know, you have to judge it to just where you brown all the sides and then you're going to put them in the pan and you're going to roast them. But you're also going to add the potatoes and you're going to add the onions to them as well at that time. And you're going to roast them till they're well done. And that, my loves, is the end of the squab recipe. Let's move to our third one. Now, I almost forgot, when you're roasting these, you should add a little bit of water. And the reason you're adding water is because you want a little gravy. So while it's roasting, you're gonna braise them, and that's gonna give you your gravy, and you're gonna add the onions and the potatoes to that. If you want the gravy to have a little bit more body to it, you can always add a tiny bit of cornstarch. It's up to you. You have to decide how you want that to go. You know, gravy is a controversial matter you wouldn't believe it but some people only make gravy with cornstarch and then there are other people who only make gravy with flour and then there are people who only make gravy with gravy starter so I'm not here to judge you I'm not the boss of you it's all gravy baby oh come on that was funny I haven't done a mom joke in so long laugh with me Fine, let's keep going. Okay, so I did promise you three recipes and here's our third. All of you hunters out there, I hope you're ready for this one. These may be in your freezer or they may not. If not, you can always run down the Eastern Market and pick some up. Usually though, it'll be rabbit instead of hare. There is a difference, but this recipe will definitely appeal to my Belgian fans, and that is Belgian hare. I think you'll like it. Um, it's really simple. It's not gonna be one of those situations where you have to go on an expedition to find what you need. What you need is pretty simple. You're going to need two hares or two rabbits, 
a quart of sour cream, and some fat bacon, thinly sliced. Now you can find fatty bacon, but I'm gonna say this, and as many times as I have stood up for and defended uh, turkey bacon, even though turkey bacon is really turkey sausage that's been sliced into prefabbed kind of things, this will not work with turkey bacon. So please don't try to substitute. If you can't do it, you can't do it, and that's okay. The recipe is what it is, and it calls for fatty bacon. So in this one time, we're gonna have to take it like it is. So if you have to, you'll have to make a different dish. Because for this dish, you must have fatty bacon. So this recipe is usually for people who have fresh rabbit or frozen rabbit and is acceptable but understand that the direction state you should skin it and wash it with salty water but most of the people listening to me in Detroit right now during this time of year will find frozen rabbit either in their own freezer or in someone else's freezer so you're gonna take that rabbit out and you're still gonna wash it in salty water because why not just to make sure it's clean that's how it is. I don't make the rules. You just, you want to rinse it down. Make sure you had proper time to thaw. Thaw it in the refrigerator. Don't thaw it on the counter. It's just pathogen control. You know what I mean? You always want to be clean in your kitchen. And, and that's going to start us off. You've got the two rabbits ready to go. You're only going to use part of the rabbits though. So you better get ready because this is a pretty simple recipe. All right. All right. Let's get to the next part. So now we're only gonna use the hind legs or the hind quarters and the back. So the front legs we're not gonna use in this. So if you have the front legs, you can use them in something else. There's no reason not to. Maybe make a nice rabbit stew. That's always tasty. Or if you really love your, your animals, you love your doggies, you can also make rabbit sausage. And we'll get into that into another episode. But, but animals can eat rabbit sausage, especially your doggies. So maybe make that with the front legs. And of course, you know, if you want to add it to the recipe, you can. I'm not the boss of you, but it won't taste the same according to the people that I talk to about this. So I'm going to take those pieces of rabbit. Um, you've already cut it up and you're going to take them and place them in between those thin fatty slices of bacon. So there should be bacon on the bottom of each piece and bacon on the top of each piece. And you're going to lay all these pieces in a pan or a roasting pan specifically. You see where this is going, right? And you're also going to have a screaming hot oven. I want you to have that oven already ready. It says to have it hot. doesn't give you a temperature. 350 seems to be the rule, but I'm going to say 375 for this because that seems to be a little bit better of a, of a degree here because you don't want it to cook too slowly. You don't want your rabbit to be tough. If you're not sure about this, if you haven't cooked it before, a pinch of meat tenderizer might be helpful just in case if you're worried about it. But you're going to cook it and you're going to flip it over in that, you know, the meat in the oven so that the bacon will get brown on both sides. Okay, so you're going to flip it over you're going to turn everything over. And once you've got it really going and it's cooking and it's smelling good, now you're going to add your sour cream. Now, the thing is about baking this rabbit, you want the bacon to be browned, you know, that's what you're trying to do is get it cooked. But once it's cooked, both pieces are cooked, the top and the bottom after you flip them a couple of times. 
you're going to turn that heat down. I probably turned it down to 325 or so uh, if you started it at 350 or 350 if you started at 375. And then what you're going to do is pour in half of the sour cream that you have. And you're going to baste that. You're going to cook that. And this whole cooking thing take about an hour and a half from when you start braising it. But listen, and this is very important, halfway through, you're going to add the rest of the sour cream. Okay, so this is an ongoing process. Make sure you check your timing. You kind of are going to get a feel for it. And you want to follow directions because people do these uh, recipes through trial and error. And, you know, of course, you're going to find your own trial and error. But the first time, do it the way that it's given to you so that you can find out where to improve. Now, the cook was very thoughtful, the person who submitted this recipe. They were very thoughtful indeed, because what they did, they said, well, you know, they thought to themselves, I'm, I'm, of course, thinking about what they may have thought of, I don't know for sure, but they're saying to themselves, well, what if this person doesn't have sour cream? So they give you something to work with in case you don't have sour cream. They said, take some sweet cream and add about a tablespoon of vinegar to it. And that'll give you the sour cream that you need because apparently that's the sauce that you're gonna want to go with this. Isn't that really kind of them? You know, kindness costs us nothing. And the fact that they took the time to really just say, you know what, what if they don't have it? Let me help. I think that's beautiful. But of course, I would expect attention to detail and kindness and that extra bit of oomph to this kind of thing because of where these recipes came from. And I know you're going to be shocked. These recipes came from the Suffrage Cookbook from 1915 AD. You heard me from 1915. That's why I can share these recipes with you now because I had to dig hard to find the recipes I could share with you to make sure they weren't infringing on any modern versions of it. But I think that's absolutely wonderful. And you can find that book. I'm going to give you the full title and information in the description of this episode if you want to look it up for yourself and try the other recipes. Well, this was a meaty episode indeed, wasn't it? Really meaty. Um, This is the kind of episode that while a little bit exotic if you don't eat other kinds of meat on a regular basis, the the ingredients weren't completely far afield. You could get your hands on them, especially the lamb. Lamb is pretty easy to find. Squab may be a little difficult. You know, you might be able to substitute Cornish hens. It's not quite the same. Uh, I don't know if doves would do, you know, well, of course doves would, but I don't know if you could substitute every kind of bird for this because every bird has a different taste, you know, but it's, it's up to you. You can give it a try. And the rabbit, rabbit is, is yummy. I mean, it's just, I was afraid to try it at first, to be honest with you, but rabbit is, is yummy. It's really good. So I can't not endorse rabbit. I can't eat the rabbit in the Belgian hair though, because it has bacon and I don't eat bacon. 
but my family does. So definitely, this is on my holiday list of recipes. I'm probably going to do it in December to see if they like it. I'm sure they'll like it. And um, I'll let you know how it goes. know about you but I feel pretty stuffed that's a lot of food that is a lot I mean a lot of heavy food but none of the recipes were necessarily super heavy on the stomach unless you eat them all yourself which hmm you never really know my husband works hard it's possible Kyle might try to eat the whole pan have to watch that you know I love sharing these personal anecdotes with you too because I I do recall him eating an entire pot of northern beans with smoke, smoked turkey by himself he took them home and um, ate it all by himself it was when we were dating and he'd never had northern beans with turkey and he ate the whole thing and he was so full it was it was insane it was just ridiculous but he was a satisfied man and I guess the old adage is true the way to a man's heart is through his stomach so I guess he began to fall in love with me just a little bit once he started taking food home and hoarding it away I guess that was a good sign but um you never know I mean I just like sharing that story I love sharing stories with my friends and we're friends right so let me know how your cooking is going. Do you collect old recipes too? Do you try old ways of cooking? Because I do. I, I like doing that for people. I don't always eat the food though because I can't eat everything. But some things, you know, I have tasters in my house so they can taste them. And I hope you have a chance to try something new. And I look forward also to seeing you here again on My Magical Cottage Core Life. Stay warm.